Is Alex DeBrincat the best offseason acquisition to date? Me and Jay Foster are going to debate that on Thursday's edition of the Locked On NHL podcast right after this. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I am Hunter Hodes of Locked On Penguins. That is Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets. And Jay, we have a fun show today looking at the best offseason moves to date. Obviously, more things can happen as we approach the dog days of summer. I think we're basically at the dog days of summer right now. But we're going to be looking at the best moves to date voted on by the hosts of the Shows on the network and starting off at number one is Alex DeBrincat going to Detroit from the Ottawa Senators. The Sens really didn't get that much in return. It was basically just Dominic Kubelik, a pick and a prospect. And that's honestly what happens when there's not really a big market for a player like that. Even though DeBrincat is a very good player, he'll score you 30, 35 goals, maybe a bit more. There just wasn't a big market for him, and Detroit was able to take advantage of that and get him pretty cheaply, and they're gunning for a playoff spot this upcoming season. The Iser plan, quote-unquote, is in full effect, and they're going to try to really get back to the playoffs for the first time in quite a while here. I believe the last time they made the playoffs was 2016 when they lost to the Lightning, and they've been rebuilding since. But when you look at that move, is that one the best move to you overall so far? It's... I was looking at the the um, the little poll that we put out, and I was like, "Man, it has been a rough off season in terms of movement. Like, there's just is Alex DeBrincat the best move? I don't think it was the best move. I think probably in terms of impacting the team, I think Alex DeBrincat makes Alex DeBrincat probably improves the Red Wings more than say other players. Um, for example. Uh, the the network picked uh, the Devils acquiring Tyler Toffoli at sixth. I think that's a really, really good move, but I don't think Tyler Toffoli improves the Devils as much as Alex DeBrinker improves the Red Wings, if that makes sense. It does. And I do think that was a very underrated move by the Devils. Toffoli had a very good year this past season, had over 30 goals. You add him to that top six or even the third line. That's just how deep the Devils are. They could put him on their third line if they want to, and they'll be perfectly fine. But, you know, I think it was a move that made sense for Detroit. They signed him to an extension, not a long-term one, but one that will take him for the next two years before he becomes a free agent again down the line. But I really like this one overall. After that, you have the Kings landing Pierre-Luc Dubois, which is probably, I think, the biggest trade of the offseason to mm-hmm. date, at least blockbuster-wise. And the Kings signed him to an extension after that, eight years, $68 million. I like Dubois. I think he's a perfectly capable top six center. I just don't know if he's worth an eight-year term in $68 million. I, I don't. I hope that's not a hot take or anything like that. I just don't think he's worth that much money again. Perfectly good player, but his numbers, I don't know if they stack up to him getting almost $9 million per season. That's just my opinion, though. I especially liked that return for the Jets. They got Gabe Velarde back. They got Alex Ayafalo back. Kupari, second-round pick. 
for a player for a team that with the Jets, they didn't really have a lot of leverage in this deal either because there really weren't too many suitors. It was really just what was reported with Montreal and LA. They were able to get a damn good return for Dubois. But from a Kings perspective, I get why they did it. This is going to be the third year that they may face the Oilers in the playoffs. They've lost in the previous two seasons to them. You got to be deep down the middle to go up against Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid. You've been seeing that they've been adding more pieces to go up against them. They've added Kevin Fiala. They've added Victor Arvidsson. They've added a few others. Defensively, they're strong. Goaltending, still a little bit of an issue. But now that you have Dubois there, you compare him with uh, Philip Deneau. Mm-hmm. You compare him, those two right there. Whew, that's a pretty nice you know, back-to-back in terms of centers. For... Right, and you're forgetting that they still have Andrzej Kopitar as well, who oh, well. is still, <laughs> yeah. who, honestly, with the retirement of Patrice Bergeron, Andrzej Kopitar might be the best defensive forward in the NHL. You know, I think I people think sleep is. on Andrzej Kopitar. They, they forget those years that it was like him, Jonathan Taves, and Pat- Patrice Bergeron just kind of basically take took it in turns being the best defensive center um, in the entire NHL, you know? So having Kopitar... Dino Dubois down the middle. That's that's pretty good. Um, I wanted to talk about this one specifically because I know Harrison Lee, host of uh, Locked On Jets, commented, uh, and he was like, "I don't understand why the acquisition of Gabe Velarde isn't on this list." Personally, for me, I kind of like bundled that and the Dubois trade together when I was looking at how to rank these. So I actually had this this ranked first. Um, when I did mine, because I think Dubois makes the Kings better, but the return that the Jets got is way, way better than I was expecting. You know, they the Jets had zero leverage. You know, we were joking about how they were going to end up trading Dubois for a third-round pick and, like, Michael Pozzetta to the Habs. Um, they didn't. They got two very good top-six pieces back. Um, Ayafalo's kind of lost a little bit of a step, but he spent a lot of time on Kopitar's wing on that top line over the past little while. You know, I think the Jets weighed out really, really well in this trade. Um, so I think it's, I was looking at that not necessarily as in terms of the Kings landing Pierre-Luc Dubois as the most impactful move, but that trade as a whole, I think, was one of those trades that was really good for both teams. Um, I like Pierre-Luc Dubois a lot. I think he's a very good player. Um, he obviously has kind of, I don't want to say struggled because I don't think he has struggled, but he's had to live up to kind of being a third overall pick that he then played on a terrible team in Columbus. He then played on a very bad team in Winnipeg, or not very bad, but, you know, Winnipeg. I don't think they made the playoffs while Dubois was there. I could be wrong. This year. Did they make the playoffs this year? Yeah, okay. they did. They, they played Vegas in the first round, yes. Oh, okay, there we go. So it was, it was a very short lived. But, like, my point still stands. They made the playoffs. But, like, it was kind of dicey for a minute there. Winnipeg did not have a very good season. Um, better than the Blue Jackets. But, hey, who didn't have a better season than the Blue Jackets, you know? Um, I think going to a team like LA, which is a good team that has a lot of center depth, he doesn't have to be that guy. Um, and I think he's really going to thrive. You know, he has that versatility as well. He can play on the wing if they need him to, you know, and then you get the problem of, well, you have a line of, you know, does he play on Kopitar's wing maybe and give them, you know, a line of Kopitar, 
um, Adrian Kempe, who has figured out how to score goals now that they're no longer trying to make him a centre, uh, and Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, that's a really good top line for the Kings. Dubois can jump in, he can take face-offs if Kopitar gets kicked out. He adds a little bit of um, meanness to to the team. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to throw his weight around. Um, I really like Dubois. Am I biased? Because I, I liked him on my team? Maybe. But I don't know. I I... If the Kings can figure out their goaltending, they're going to be dangerous this season. I agree. And I was going to mention about Dubois, too. He, he can play center or wing. Okay? Mm-hmm. He has the ability to play both. And you said it. If they want to do a top nine or three centers, at least of Dubois, Deneau, and Kopitar, whichever order they want, that's mm-hmm. a really good one, two, three punch. And it gives them insurance if. So they, the Kings just re-signed Kopitar, I believe, for, for I think another two they years. Because he just, I don't know how old Andre Kopitar is, but I would guess he's what, 30? He's in his late 30s, I believe. And he just signed, I believe it was a two-year extension, if I recall. 35. Um, And so, yeah, he just signed a two-year extension. And so Dubois is there as kind of a transitional piece, I think. You know, and they're going to, as Kopitar starts kind of maybe losing a step, they've got Dubois to jump in that role. Don't forget, they have guys like Quentin Byfield, in the wing, who maybe hasn't had as much of an NHL impact that a lot of people were hoping, but he's still a, two, a second overall draft pick. And he's still only, what, 22, maybe? 21, 22, you know? So I think Dubois gives them a lot of flexibility in the lineup, which I think is really exciting. Agreed. Though That's just a taste of some of the best moves from the offseason. Coming up in the second segment, Jay and I are going to get into a few more of the top moves from the offseason to date. Before we do get to that, though, we have to discuss FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land 200 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to get the first home run in the game. And it's all an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid Instantly, there's a better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and locked on. All right, we're back here on this Thursday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. I am Hunter Hodes. That is Jay Foster. So, Jay, going down the list, another big move. Hurricane signing Dmitry Orlov to a two-year deal worth a little below $8 million per season. And I also really like this move. The term is very team-friendly. The AAV, a little bit high, but I thought he had a really good season both in Washington and in Boston this past year. Good offensively, good defensively. And that Carolina defensive core now, whoo, that is, is scary hours down there. Jacob Slavin with Brent Burns. You have Brett Pesci. You have Dmitry Orlov. You have Tony D'Angelo. You have Chatfield. I know I'm, I'm probably forgetting at least, whoa, I, you have Brady Shea as well. Seven very good defensemen there. Rod Brindamore is probably just loving it. And also, also they're still in the market potentially for Eric Carlson, which is crazy to think about. I because don't understand how. How do they? I, do... I think they're in it for a bargain, but... This, Carolina's defensive core is among the best in the league. And I think they're going to use Orlov. 
on the second pairing behind Slavin, because I mean, Slavin is their best defenseman on the team. But you can put Orlov with honestly anyone on the right side, whether it's Chatfield, whether it's D'Angelo, whether it's someone else. I really like this move for Carolina. He's an all-around good shutdown defenseman who will also play well in the offensive zone. I'm not surprised that this was number three on the list. And what what, what do you think of it? Yeah, I, I really like this move at the time. I think two years is extremely smart. He's 32 years old. Um, it would have been really easy for Carolina to give him that one last contract, you know, five, six years, take him up to being, you know, almost 40 years old, but they didn't. Two years, almost 8 million. And yeah, all of, for my money, might be one of the most underrated defensemen in this league. Um, he takes some of the pressure off Jacob Slavin, who, uh, again, I think he's one of, Jacob Slavin actually might be the most underrated defenseman in this league uh, because he's not the Eric Carl. He's not an Eric Carlson. He's not putting up a hundred points. He's not a Kale McCarr. You know, or even a guy like Adam Fox, Jacob Slavin is one of those guys, I feel like, that you only notice him if he's doing something wrong. And I go entire games without seeing him, you know? I'm like, oh, Slavin didn't do anything. And then I go and look at the fancy stats. And I'm like, oh, no, he did everything, <laughs> you know? So adding Dmitry Orlov to that, yeah, the Carolina Hurricanes are going to be are going to be a force to reckon with. Um, I don't get the D'Angelo signing. I, I, anytime you can go out and get a guy that makes your defense actively worse is sure a choice that you can make. I don't think they needed him. Um, my guess would be that that puts them out of the Carlson sweepstakes, but I also don't know that they need Carlson. Like looking at this, looking at this, this defense core right now, I'm like, where, where would he fit in? You know, like you could put him on the second pairing with all of, I guess. Um, but then, You've got guys like Brett Pesci and Brady Shea playing third pairing minutes. And then, you know, you've got your young, your younger guys like Dylan Coughlin. Uh, and then they go out and they pick up Anthony De- uh, Tony D'Angelo. So there's just, there's no room. But in terms of the Orlov trade, I like it a lot. Uh, not trade, sorry, the the sign, the the signing of, of Dimitri Orlov. I like it a lot. Um, it's very Carolina. It's not flashy. It's just very good. That move honestly reeks of Eric Tolsky's influence, and I think it's past time for him to be a GM in this league. He is very good at what he does. I think with D'Angelo, I get it from an offensive perspective because he was good under Rod Brindamore, so he's familiar with him. And I think going from John Tortorella to Rod Brindamore, definitely, I think, a step up, in my opinion. And he's at least shown an ability to play at least decent in Carolina under Brindamore. So I get it from that perspective. I'm not really sure who else would have signed him, but I don't think they're signing him though. So he can sit on the bench. So there's going to be an interesting dynamic. There's Chatfield going to be on the bench for most games. I thought he was really good for Carolina this past season. That's going to be an interesting dynamic there. Moving down the list a little bit, Jay, Maple Leaf signing Tyler Bertuzzi and the Stars signing Matt Duchesne, uh, both on one year terms. Duchesne was bought out by the Predators. Goes to Dallas. I'm sure he had quite a few options. Goes to a team in the Western Conference that is ready to win for this upcoming season. That Stars team is loaded, both with young talent and with veteran talent. And then with the Maple Leafs getting Tyler Bertuzzi one year, I believe it was $5.5 million for a year. He was hoping to get a long-term extension, or long-term extension, long-term deal, excuse me, in free agency. But that did not happen. Signs a one-year term. The hope with him is that he balls out for the Leafs this year, maybe scores, you know, 20, 25, 30 goals, 
gets maybe 50 to 60 points. And then next year when the cap definitely goes up, he'll be able to get, you know, a four to five year term or maybe even a longer term at that at a much higher AAV. But I think the plan is they're going to staple him in the top six, probably on the Matthews line. If I had to guess, it's going to be like that bunting replacement because he obviously went to Carolina as well with Vimishu Orlov. But I think that's what they're just going to do with him heading into the season. What do you think of those moves? I like the Duchesne move a lot more than I like the Batuzzi move. Um, I think probably that's because I don't super rate Bertuzzi as like he's fine. Um, I think he's gonna go and he's gonna score 30 goals playing on Matthew and Mana Matthews and Mana's wing. Um, and probably sign, like you say, a huge deal off the back of that when the cap goes up. Um The Dallas Stars are a really scary team. They were scary before this. Um, and then I just went to look at what their center depth was like, because as we all know, center depth is what wins hockey games. It's what win cups, you know? Um if you look at so they've got Rupe Hints as their top set, their top line center, and then you put you can fit Matt Duchesne right in on that second line, second line center. Uh, you've got Wyatt Johnson, who's on his entry level contract, just had a very good rookie season, and you know Tyler Sagan is still kicking. He plays center. Jamie Ben can play center, I guess. Um, you know it's it's that's not even getting into, you know, the Jason Robertson, uh, the Joe Pavelski wingers. Um, this, this is a very, very good top six. Um, and it was good before they added Duchesne. And I like Duchesne a lot. I was, I was bummed when the Blue Jackets didn't keep him a couple of seasons ago. Um, I wondered if they might try and reach out and get him for cheap this season. He ended up going to Dallas. Um, yeah, I personally had this ranked above the Batuzzi uh line i just because and again kind of going back to most impactful and how and what that means you know i don't think tyler but tyler batuzzi is an upgrade on michael bunting but i'm looking at this team and i'm like is tyler batuzzi like does he move the needle for this team in in a way that you know mitch marner does or in a way that william nylander does you know um and I don't know, I just, I feel like having him as, what, the fourth or fifth best forward on a team doesn't move the needle quite as much as Matt Duchesne, who could probably play a 1C role in Dallas and likely won't, and then will instead play second line minutes and just feast on the other team because he doesn't have to play against, you know, the Austin Matthews or the Conor McDavid's or the Sidney Crosby's of, of the world, you know? Um, I like the Duchesne move a lot. The Batuzzi move is fine, I thought. Um, smart move by the player to, like you say, sign one year, bump his trade value up. Um, you know, he's going from playing, was he, th- he was third line minutes in Boston, where he was, you know, he was fine. He was an energy guy for them. He was a very good player in, in Detroit, but obviously Detroit has not been very good basically the entire time he's been there. So him playing on a good team with good line mates and getting top line minutes, I think is a really smart move on his part. He's going to make bank. This time next year, we're going to be talking about how Tyler Batuzzi is making eight to nine million dollars for the next eight seasons. You know, I mean, I would I would not be surprised by that at all. I mean, especially if he balls out with the Leafs, stable to the Matthews line with Marner and all those guys. I mean, would anyone be surprised if he gets seven times eight, anything like that? So I don't think so. At least that wraps up the second segment. Coming up to end the show, Jay and I are going to finish off power ranking the best off-season moves today. Again, even though there's still plenty of time for other moves to be made, that's coming up right after this. All right, 
We're back here on this Thursday edition of the Locked on NHL podcast. I am Hunter Hodes. That is Jay Foster. So continuing to go down here, we're going to do these a little bit in rapid fire succession here, Jay. We kind of discussed it already. The Devils acquired Tyler Toffoli this offseason from the Calgary Flames, a player who has shown an ability multiple times to score 25 to 30 goals in his career. You can staple him on the first line. You can put him on the second line. Heck, they can even put him on their third line. That is just how good of a player Toffoli is. He's a little bit older. I understand that, but he is still kicking very efficiently and he's going to score quite a few goals for the Devils this upcoming season. I really like this move for them. And I hate to say it, Jay, but the Devils are getting scarier and scarier as the days and the months go on. And that's not good for the rest of the Metropolitan Division. No, and it feels like the Devils have really only kind of started, you know? Um, I don't know that Toffoli sticks around after this season just because of like cap space reasons. Um, although they have most of their big guys signed up, signed long term, so maybe they do have room for him. I don't know, but yeah, you add a, a top six of you know Timo Meyer, Jack Hughes, Jesper Bratt, Nico Heischer. Um, there's, there's your top four. They have uh, Andre Palat, who was kind of there. We didn't get good drugs. So we're going to go out and get Andre Palat. He's been very good for them. It has to be said. And then you go out and you add a guy like Tyler Toffoli, who, like you said, had, what, 30 goals this season on a, frankly, miserable Calgary Flames team. That's one way to um, put it. It's, yeah, I hate it. I hate how good they're going to be. It's, it's not going to be fun to play against them. And I keep going back and forth on who's going to... Um, who's going to win the Metro. And it really does feel like it's it's neck and neck between the Devils and, and the Hurricanes. I don't know that I would want to put money on picking either one of those guys, but they both they were both already very good. And then, yeah, but with the Orlov signing and the Toffoli trade, both teams got better, and it feels unfair. They're, they're going to be 1-2 in the Metro no matter what, in my opinion. I, think I, I have the Rangers right after them, and then 4-8. through eight, You can make whatever argument you want. Moving on a little bit, Predators signing Ryan O'Reilly and then the Avalanche acquiring Ryan Johansson from the Predators. The Ryan O'Reilly thing, honestly, Jay, this might be a hot take. I don't understand that signing for the Predators. I like O'Reilly as a player, don't get me wrong, and I see him as at least a decent replacement for Johansson, but... I feel like a team that signs O'Reilly at this point in his career, you know, usually you're looking at that as a win now move, but the Predators, I don't think they're in win now mode. They're kind of still retooling under first year GM Barry Trotz. Yes, you do have UC Soros, who is one of the five best goalies in the league. He signed for a couple more seasons at a very reasonable cap hit. You probably do want to see what you can do during that time. Again, they're not in win now mode, but you still want to see what they can do. They just, got a new coach, Andrew Burnett. But with that O'Reilly contract, I don't know. I'm just not that big of a fan of it. I get the thinking, but I don't know if I would have had it at number seven on my list. And then the avalanche with it getting Johansson from the Predators, I like it, especially at $4 because Johansson was getting $8 million. The Predators are retaining half of the salary. I really like that, especially as a top six center to replace uh, Alex Newhook, who they sent to the Montreal Canadiens in that trade. So I really like that for Colorado. I like it also for Nashville because they get out of that contract. Yes, they're retaining half of it, but 
you're still not paying $8 million to a player who probably is not worth $8 million at this point in his career. Colorado having him at four, a player that if he can get back to being healthy and producing, I mean, Jay, you know this better than anyone. I was going to say, this episode is just kind of the the former Blue Jackets number one centers episode. Um, they've ended up in a bunch of different places. But yeah, I like Grant Hansen a lot. Um, he's a guy that, again, is going to thrive um, if he has less defensive responsibility, um, which is not something you want to say about your, the, your number one center, but he's not going to be a number one center in Colorado, obviously. Less responsibility, he's going to be a better player, I think. And like you said, getting him for $4 million. I like the Ryan O'Reilly deal in a vacuum. I think he's a tremendous offensive talent. Um, he's only 32, so you know he's still got a couple of years, at least a couple of years in him. I thought he was really good. Uh, for the Leafs after the trade deadline. Um, the problem becomes when you look at, basically they got rid of their two top centers in Duchesne and Johansson for Ryan O'Reilly. And then I'm looking at the other centers that they have. Uh, Colton Sissons, Cody Glass, Yusuf Parsonen, Thomas Novak, and Mark Jankowski. Those are the other guys listed as center on um, cap friendly for them. I don't know. That that does not strike fear into me the way that, like, the center lineup for the Dallas Stars does or the center lineup for the LA Kings does. Um, and also, they're still paying $4 million for Andrew Hansen and just over $2.5 million for Matt Duchesne. So they're paying $6.5 million for those two players not to play for them, plus $4.5 million for Ryan O'Reilly to actually play for them. So... Barry Trotz, Barry Trotz has a plan. I've I've liked his off season yes. um, for the most part. Um, I've liked all the stuff he say. I think he's he is one of the best coaches, or was one of the best coaches. I guess he's no longer a coach, and I think he has the the acumen to be a very good GM. So I'm I'm confident he has a plan here. I just don't know what that plan is. Um, but in a vacuum, I like. The Ryan O'Reilly deal. I like the the Johansson deal for the Avalanche. I think um, those two kind of you could flip flop them either way, and I would feel fine about it. That's fair too. I, again, I, I guess I'm just not that big on it, but I, I also at the same time I at least understand the thinking from Barry Trotz because you know he's even said you know I can get all the depth players you want, just find me some you know some stars like in the draft and such mm-hmm. and I'll yeah, I'll exactly. get the quality depth. Like, also they still have almost 8 million dollars in cap space. So, you know, is there an Elias Lindholm on the way to Nashville? Is there a contract for a guy like Vladimir Tarasenko on the way who does not play center but could, you know, a top line of Vladimir Tarasenko, Ryan O'Reilly and Philip Forsberg would score a bajillion goals. You know? Yes. That so, that would be a lot. I I don't think Trotz is done. Um it's the Preds are such a weird team. I can't get I can't quite get a handle on them. I agree. I, I don't think they're a playoff team this upcoming season, but I also at the same time would not be surprised if UC Soros again tries to drag them into the race as he almost did this and past season. And he they've is. got Ryan Yossi on the uh, Ryan Yossi on the back end. Uh, Ryan Roman Yossi, excuse me, on the back end. You know, it's, yes, another one of those pieces still. They're not another they're not one dead. of the five sixth best defensemen on the planet. He's unbelievable. To wrap up though, Jay. Two more signings, Michael Bunting for the Hurricanes and Ryan Graves for the Penguins. For Graves, I know I'm starting on with the number 10 one, but he is Brian Dumoulin's replacement, someone who can play at least decently well in the defensive zone, but I really like his play in the offensive zone and especially in transition. He's very good at breaking the puck out of his own end. 
He also fires a lot of shots from the blue line, which is something that Brian Newman really didn't do that good of a job, especially during the last couple years of his career. I think they're going to try to start him with Chris Letang, though I would kind of have him on the second pairing. I don't think he's a top pairing defenseman at this point, but it made sense to go out and get someone like Graves if you're not going to go on the trade market to get someone like a Noah Hannafin on your left side or something like that. As for bunting, again, Jay, very Carolina-like move, I think. It's Yeah, he's not going to be flashy for them, but again, I think he, he had a really good rookie season at the age of like 42 or whatever it was. Um, and now he, and then he had kind of a sophomore slump and I suspect that he will go to a system like Carolina and thrive. He's not going to be flashy. He's not going to score 25 goals, but he's going to get some, some power play time probably. And yeah, like I said, I don't think this move makes the, the, the hurricanes a lot better. So I didn't, rank it very highly in terms of most impactful for the Hurricanes, but looking at the the list of teams and like, okay, where was Michael Bunting going to go if he wasn't staying in uh, Toronto? This is the smartest move that he could have made, I think. Um, I don't know what his contract is off the top of my head. I should have looked this up. I believe it was a four-year term, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right. Um, it was a four-year term. Did good, it was pretty good AAV for three, him. Three years at 4.5. That's fine. I, I feel fine about that. Um, I want to just finish up as well. Um, I know we're, we're running a little long here. A couple of honorable mentions who didn't make our fancy graphic um, that we'll, we'll show you in, in just a second. Uh, but uh, coming in at 11th, the Senators signing Jonas Corposalo. If it works, incredible move. If it doesn't, Yikes. Uh, and then uh, coming in 12th, the Blue Jackets acquiring Ivan Provorov. Yeah, that feels right to me. Um, I, I've spoken enough about the trade on my show. I'm not going to get into it again here. But um, I personally would have had the Severson sign-in trade over the Provorov trade because I think that's a a better fit for the team. Um, but it's just, it's been a weird, a weird off season. I think next off season is going to be really interesting because there's a lot of people who were UFAs this season that are going to be UFAs again next season because it feels like everyone has signed a one-year contract. Um, so I think next season is going to be really the one to watch. But some teams had good off seasons. Some teams have yet to do anything in, in the off season. That's the flat cap world we live in right now. And honestly, Jay, I think this is the final year of the flat cap we're going to see. Yes. The cap should go up next year. And... I agree with the Corpusalo signing. He was really good this year, both mm-hmm. in Columbus he was phenomenal. and in LA. Best season of his career. If mm-hmm. he can replicate that with an Ottawa team that is desperate to figure out goaltending, they have just gotten it wrong. Ottawa's another team where if they figure out goaltending, watch out. Yes, I agree. And they've just gotten goaltending so wrong over the past few years. I mean, heck, they had Cam Talbot this past season. Did not work out. I mean, they traded... Philip Gustafson to Minnesota, that trade is not looking that good right now. Let's, let's just say that. Obviously, the Matt Murray situation when they mm-hmm. traded for him out of Pittsburgh. Was Greg mm-hmm. Anderson the last good goalie that the yes. Senators had? Yes. Like, <laughs> you know? And that's, that says something. So, 2017, Craig Anderson was great, especially in the playoffs. He was everything for the Senators. But since then, they just really haven't had consistent goaltending. But if they can get good goaltending out of Corpusalo and he can continue to kind of have a career renaissance, mm-hmm. I think they can make the playoffs this year. And then Ivan Provorov at 12. I agree with you, Jay. I would have Damon Severson over him because I think he's better defensively than Provorov. 
And especially what he did last season in New Jersey, analytically, the fancy stats were really good for him. Yes. If he can play that well in the offensive zone again, even though that contract is a little bit much for it's me. A little, it's a little expensive and it's a little long, but like I, I feel I feel fine about it. The Blue Jackets needed to go out and get an NHL defenseman, and I'm fine with um fine with Stevenson, especially on the back of, you know, they're only paying, I think, for two-thirds of Provorov's contract, and he's done in two years. So, like, I don't think he'll be back unless, you know, either something really bad or really good happens, depending on how you look at it. Um, Stevenson is, is here for the long haul, and I feel I feel fine about it. So, it's been... Uh, it's been fine, I think. That's, I, I feel okay about these power rankings. Um, I'm less mad about them than the ones we did last week. <laughs> I agree. And that will do it for this episode of the Locked on NHL podcast. Hope you all enjoyed listening to slash watching this one. You can follow Jay Foster on the Locked on Blue Jackets podcast. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. I am the host of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'll be adding a co-host to my show starting on Friday. But again, really appreciate all of you listening to slash watching this one. Stick around for Friday's edition of the Locked on NHL podcast coming up tomorrow.